scripture this morning is 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also ye have received, and wherein ye stand, by which also ye are saved, if ye keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless ye have believed in vain. For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures and that he was buried and that he arose again with the third day according to the scriptures and that he was seen of Cephas, then of the twelve. After that he was seen of above five hundred brethren at once of whom the greater part remain unto this present but some are fallen asleep. After that, he was seen of James, then of all the apostles. And last of all, he was seen of me also as of one born out of due time. For I am the least of the apostles, that I am not meet to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace which was bestowed upon me was not in vain, but I labored more abundantly than they all, yet not I, but the grace of God which was with me. Wherefore, whither were I or they, so we preach and so ye believed. Now, if Christ be preached, that he rose from the dead... How say some of among you that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there be no resurrection of the dead, then is Christ not risen? And if Christ be not risen, then is our preaching vain, and your faith is also vain, yea, and we are found false witnesses of God, because we have testified of God that he raised up Christ whom he raised not up, if so be that the dead rise not. For if the dead rise not, then is not Christ raised. And if Christ be not raised, your faith is vain, ye are yet in your sins, then they also which are fallen asleep in Christ are perished. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. But now is Christ risen from the dead and become the first fruits of them that slept? For since by man came death, by man came also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive, but every man in his own order. Christ the first fruits. Afterward, they that are Christ at his coming. Then cometh the end, when he shall have delivered up the kingdom of God, even the Father, 
when he shall have put down all rule and all authority and power, for he must reign till he hath put all enemies under his feet. The last enemy that shall be destroyed is death. For he hath put all things under his feet, but when he saith all things that put under him, it is manifest that he is accepted, which did put all things under him. And when all things shall be subdued unto him, then shall the Son also himself be subject unto him that put all things under him, that God may be all in all. Let's take also now our catechism, page 10 in the back of your Psalters. We look at the one question and answer of Lord's Day 17. What doth the resurrection of Christ profit us? First, by his resurrection, he has overcome death, that he might make us partakers of that righteousness which he hath purchased for us by his death. Secondly, we are also by the power, his power, raised up to new life. And thirdly, the resurrection of Christ is a sure pledge of our blessed resurrection. May God add his blessing to the reading and the preaching of his word this morning. Beloved in our Lord Jesus Christ, we believe with our hearts and we confess with our mouth the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We believe it, we confess it, not try to prove it. Just as Scripture doesn't try to prove creation, so the Catechism doesn't come with any kind of proof for the resurrection. The believer must not base his faith on the evidence of science, proofs, but rather the testimony of the Scriptures themselves. But as we read in 1 Corinthians 15, the Apostle over against the unbelief of some in the church, sets about proving Christ's resurrection. He was seen by many, at least ten appearances. And that number ten being important because that is the number of completion, just like there are ten commandments, there are ten different appearances of Jesus to his disciples so that they might know that he is alive and they might witness to that fact. So notice with me the truth of Christ's victorious resurrection. First of all, the reality of the resurrection. Second of all, the central importance of of the resurrection, and then thirdly, the triple benefit of the resurrection. 
The resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead is, first of all, a fact. Oddly, the catechism in this case does not deal with the fact of the resurrection, which surely is a shortcoming in that document. And why? Because the resurrection at that time, the resurrection of Jesus, was not disputed when the catechism was written. The sacraments surely were disputed, and that's why we have many Lord's Days on it. Justification by faith alone was surely debated at that time, and the catechism goes into detail on it. But at that time, when the catechism was written, there was not any doubt about the resurrection. It wasn't being disputed. But Jesus proved that fact of his resurrection by the empty grave. Travel with the women that morning to the empty tomb. And the angel bids them to come inside. And we read of John and Peter. When they stepped inside the empty tomb, it wasn't quite empty. Oh, Jesus was not there. But the grave clothes was there. The grave clothes lying out in the very form that it was around his body with a napkin for his head separate from it, showing that somehow Christ was raised right out of those grave clothing. He proved it by many appearances to his loved ones, to his disciples, to the apostles during the 40 days. Imagine taking that long. Forty days, Jesus remained here on earth bodily. Not all the time with his disciples, only sudden appearances here, then an appearance there, an appearance finally in Galilee, even as he had promised he would show himself to them. And it's that glorious fact that enables the gospel writers and Paul and Peter to talk about the resurrection. They had seen him with their own eyes. They believed and therefore they express it with their lips. That is the content of the preaching of the apostles. Jesus showed by the very nature of his resurrection by his appearances. What did he show? He showed that it was the very same body that was laid down in the grave when he died is now the body that he was walking around in. So that Jesus is able to say to the disciples and especially to Thomas, see my hands and see my feet. The holes where those nails ripped was there. He showed, second of all, that he had a real human body. You say, how? Because he partook of the bread and the fish that they had before them on the table. They could know that he was truly alive, a real human being. And two things were revealed by that. First of all, the reality 
the reality of the resurrection, but also the otherness of the resurrection, the holy otherness of the resurrection. What do we mean by that? It means, first of all, that this is an event that no human eye could at least witness. Even those soldiers that were supposed to be guarding the grave, yes, they knew something tremendous was taking place, but they did not see Jesus rising out of the grave. None of the disciples saw the actual event. Was the stone rolled away in order to let Jesus out? And the answer is no. Jesus had risen, but the stone was rolled away in order that John and Peter and the women could step inside that grave and see, yes, Jesus is not there lying dead any longer. The otherness of Jesus, as we said earlier, is just by the grave clothing itself. There's no way that thieves stole his body for then the grave clothing would have been unwrapped over him or they would have taken his body that way. It was not the case as the soldiers were paid to say that the disciples stole the body. No, Jesus simply arose out of the grave clothing and out of the grave. And then there is the whole otherness of his resurrection in the message of the angels. And what was that message? He is not here. He is risen. He is not here. He is risen. What do you mean, not here? When Lazarus was raised from the dead, there he was in front of them, wasn't he? But now Jesus, who was risen from the tomb, is not here. He's no longer finding this earth as his home but simply he will make appearances. And then think of those appearances at various times. The disciples locked in their upper room because they were afraid of the Jews. They were followers of Jesus. And though the door was locked, there suddenly Jesus was in their midst. Or suddenly as the two disciples are walking to Emmaus, there Jesus appears behind them, with them, and ask them what they're discussing. What is this holy otherness of Christ's resurrection? And it's this, beloved. The mortal has put on immortality. The corruptible has put on incorruption. The physical body has become a spiritual body. When we talk about a spiritual body, we're not saying, not really human, he's human. It's a real human body. It's the same human body, and yet changed. Changed, and we'll look at later on how that affects us. So the resurrection of Jesus Christ, we want to state right away, is a fact. And we need to do that because... Even when the catechism was written, it wasn't disputed. But it surely was disputed the next days after Christ's resurrection, wasn't it? 
In fact, it was so disputed that in Athens, when the Apostle Paul brings the message of Christ's resurrection, they laugh. And they say, we'll hear you another time. But today also, it is denied, isn't it? There is the swoon theory that Christ just kind of was unconscious for a couple days and then he came out of it. Or there are others who want to say, well, yes, Jesus lives. Jesus lives in the hearts and the minds of his disciples. His philosophy is theirs. But they deny an actual resurrection. And over against that, the church of Jesus Christ, along with the apostles, preach as a fact, Christ Jesus rose from the dead. My second point, the central importance of the resurrection. Jesus' disciples are instructed to proclaim this, that is, the resurrection of Jesus, as the central gospel message. It's the good news. That is the reason for the 40 days and all the appearances. The duty of these apostles and other witnesses, they, what they saw with their eyes, now they proclaim with their mouth. Jesus is living. He's alive. And so we find that central message in all of the preaching of the apostles. Let me go through the book of Acts a moment. In Acts chapter 2, verse 32, Peter, in his sermon, says, This Jesus God hath raised up, whereof we are all witnesses. Again, Acts chapter 2, verse 24, Whom God raised up, having loosed the pains of death, it was not possible that he should be holden of it. Again, Acts chapter 3, verse 15, then the preaching. And they killed the prince of life, whom God hath raised from the dead, whereof we are all witnesses. And his name, through faith in his name, hath made this man strong, whom you now see and know. That was in the healing of the blind man. Acts chapter 4, over against the Sadducees, they were grieved that they taught the people and preached through Jesus the resurrection from the dead. All oh, those Sadducees hated that. Acts 4, verse 10. But be, it known, but be it known unto you all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God hath raised from the dead, even by him doth this man stand before you, whole. Acts 4, verse 33. And with great power gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of the Lord, and great grace was upon them. Acts 13, verse 30. The first missionary journey, and it was in Antioch, the preaching of Paul. But God raised him up from the dead, and he was seen many days who are his witnesses. And we declare unto you the glad tidings. 
Acts 17, in Thessalonica. Opening and alleging that Christ must needs have suffered and risen from the dead, that this Jesus whom I preach unto you is Christ. In Athens, where Paul commands everyone to repent, he hath appointed one day in the which he will judge the world in righteousness by that man whom he hath ordained, whereof he hath given assurance unto all in that he raised him up from the dead. Acts 26, to King Agrippa. Moses and the prophets did say that Christ should suffer, that he should be the first to rise from the dead and should show light unto the people and unto the Gentiles. Do you see with the whole flow of all the preaching, this is the central message. Jesus Christ suffered and died for our sins and God raised him up from the dead. What a message that is. The obedient servant of God. What a savior. The obedient servant of God who willingly died as he has said himself, I lay down my life and I will take it up again. What does it mean? Oh, beloved, we do not serve a dead hero, but we serve a living Savior who is a life-giving Savior who imparts his life to us. And that's why at Easter we gladly sing that song, I serve a risen Savior, Christ Jesus. And how central is that gospel preaching, as Paul points out, he was raised again for our justification. What does that mean? What does that mean? If Jesus had not paid for every sin of every one of his elect, God would not have raised him from the dead. His job was not complete, wasn't done. But he took all of our sins. And he took the full wrath of God upon himself there on the cross and all of his life, but especially there on the cross, so that each of our sins were canceled out, paid in full by his death. And so God raised him up. There is the proof of our justification. Isn't that a wonderful gospel message? Think a moment of the sins during the day that you commit. And you go to bed at night and you think of those sins and they weigh heavy upon you. They're gone. Think of some of the sins that you have done in your youth. You who are older in the congregation and it weighs against you. And you think then of that song about sins of our youth remembered not. What joy, what a good news gospel that is. 
paid in full. Jesus' resurrection is of great importance to and for Christ himself. By the resurrection, Jesus is declared to be the Son of God. Do you remember that centurion that was in charge of those soldiers that put Jesus on the cross? When he saw the life of Jesus there on the cross, his words that he spoke, his willingly giving himself over to death, he said, surely, surely this was the Son of God. No, he didn't become such by his death, but rather he is known as such. You and I know him as the Son of God, the one who has power to lay down his life and to take it up again, the one who has also the power to raise us up to new life. But the resurrection of Jesus is, second of all, of great importance to himself because it is the beginning of his state of exaltation. In Catechism, you young people remember those four steps of his exaltation. His resurrection, his ascension into heaven, his session at the right hand of God, that means sitting on the throne, and the fourth one, which is still to take place, isn't it? He is coming again. And he's going to usher all of his own into the new heavens and the new earth. Third, According to our text, isn't it? Christ is the firstborn of every creature. We find that also in the book of Colossians. Colossians chapter 1, verses 15 through 20. We have redemption in his blood, we read, even the forgiveness of our sins who is the image of the invisible God. He is the firstborn of every creature. For by him were all things created that are in heaven, that are in the earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him. And he is before all things, and by him all things consist. He is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence. For it pleased the Father that in him should all fullness dwell, and having made peace through the blood of his cross, by him to reconcile all things unto himself. By him, I say, whether they be things in earth or things in heaven. Christ, the firstborn of every creature, the firstborn from the dead. You say, how is he the firstborn from the dead? And how is he the firstborn of all creatures? Because eternally he was the Son of God. But you say, the firstborn of the dead come. In the Old Testament, Elijah raised a widow's son. We have other resurrections, the boy from Nain. We have the resurrection of others. But they were raised only to a continued existence here on earth, right? They would die again. But Jesus Christ is first in God's mind 
and his resurrection from the body to eternal life is the beginning of our life, we who believe in him. That is the Christ that we preach. That is the Christ that we teach our children about so that our children then gladly sing that song, Jesus loves me, for the Bible tells me so. Notice not Jesus loved me, past tense. Jesus loves me. It's a statement by our little children saying, Jesus is alive, he is resurrected from the dead, and he continues to love me every day of my life. Oh, the resurrection. Great importance for Christ himself. But thirdly, Jesus' resurrection is also of great importance to us, to you and to me. If Jesus is not raised from the dead, there's nothing good about that Good Friday. Then that was a terrible misjustice. Jesus dying and remaining dead. What a dark day Good Friday would be then. But the apostle is going to make an argument in our passage in 1 Corinthians 15. If Jesus is not raised, then you and I are fools for believing it. Believing deliberate lies. If Christ is not raised, then our faith is vain. Just go on home. Don't sit there worshiping on Sunday. Live your life here, for you only go around once. If Christ is not raised from the dead, then you and I are still in our sins. And you and I would then have to meet the wrath of God. But Christ is risen. And by faith we exclaim, the Lord is risen indeed. The Lord is risen. It's not a lie. The lie was that of the soldiers saying that the disciples took his body. Our faith is not vain. We serve a risen Savior. We are not in our sins any longer. Our sins were there on the cross and they are now taken away. Because Christ is risen from the dead, you and I, each day of our life, serve, live for, love, obey the risen Savior. That's the, third, that's the second point. Central importance. The gospel for Christ for us. And now what the catechism does deal is, what is the benefit? Why does the resurrection of Christ profit us? And we have three reasons given, don't we? The essence of Christ's resurrection and the benefit is that Christ has overcome death for us. 
He overcame death, first of all, himself. Death, which is the last enemy. Death, which is separation of body and soul. Death, which is separation from all that we know and all that we love here in this life. Christ overcame that death himself. That is why he is the living Lord who is able to make us partakers of the blessings of salvation. You ask, why does Jesus have to be God? It is only as God, as the risen Savior, that he is in heaven, that he's able to pray for us, that he's able to pour out all the benefits of his life in us, that he's able to give his spirit to dwell in us. Christ overcame death and the power of death. Death physical, spiritual, and eternal. That's the rest of the gospel that we didn't read from 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Let me go to the end of that chapter. The beautiful verses there, starting at verse 55. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. And because we serve a living Savior, because of that victory over our death, physical, spiritual, eternal. While we yet die, we saw on the last Lord's Day, it's not a punishment, but it's a going home, going to be with Christ Jesus, which is far better. And therefore, the apostle ends this very chapter in 1 Corinthians 15 with this verse. Because Christ is raised from the dead, therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as ye know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Our lives are not empty, vain. Trying to get the latest clothing, the fastest car, the nicest house, the most comfortable life. We don't serve those kind of gods. But our life has the purpose now to live for Christ Jesus. Be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. Thirdly, Christ, the second Adam, removed the sting of death. And in his resurrection is the revelation of his victory over death. What a terrible thing came into the world by the sin of Adam and Eve. 
God had said, the day thou eatest thereof, thou wilt surely die. And now, 6,000 years later, death continues to take place, doesn't it? That is the physical death. But God has canceled the spiritual death that you and I were born in. He makes us his sons and daughters alive, living for him. We have eternal life now already, a life that never will end. For even while our body lies in the grave, and the Bible calls that asleep, doesn't it? It's resting there. It's not the end of the story. Our soul continues to live with Christ Jesus in heaven. And one day that body also will be raised and be made perfect. But Christ's resurrection has not only those benefits for us as his children, but it has cosmological importance. What is that? Through Christ's resurrection, the curse that was upon this earth is removed so that there will be a new earth. We read about that in Romans chapter 8, don't we? Right now, the whole earth is groaning in travail, waiting for the adoption of sons. Christ's resurrection is going to cause the new heavens and the new earth, where heaven and earth are joined together, where it's going to be a beautiful creation that far surpasses the old paradise. And you and I will exist there with Christ Jesus. Yes, the full significance of Christ's resurrection still waits, doesn't it? It waits for the parousia when Christ comes again, as we read, in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet shall sound. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound, the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. The mortal becomes immortal. The corruptible becomes incorruptible. The physical is a spiritual reality. Christ, risen from the dead, Three aspects of this benefit. Number one, by Christ's resurrection and ascension into heaven, we have a sure pledge, the catechism says, of our blessed resurrection. Christ's body is now in heaven. He's a living Savior there and that guarantees that these bodies of ours that we place in the ground temporarily will be raised just as a farmer plants wheat or corn in the ground and it rises out of it life. So we will also be raised, raised instantly. 
he comes down and we come out of the graves, we're going to see him. We'll be with him. Second of all, by his power, the living Savior works new life in each one of us, a spiritual life. We're no longer dead in sin. We're no longer bound by sin or by Satan. But we've been loosed. And we live a new life unto God. We have fellowship with God. That's what makes worship so important, isn't it? So precious to us. We don't want to miss on Sunday because God comes and talks to us and then we're able to respond in songs and in giving of our gifts and hearing his word and praying. Sweet fellowship. Thirdly, he makes us partakers of his righteousness. And that is fundamental. That is basic for all the other uh, blessings of salvation. That's what we really need, isn't it? Righteousness. A righteousness that we can't provide because of our sinful nature. A righteousness that God provided for us in his Son. God made him to be sin who knew no sin so that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. That righteousness purchased for us by his death and his perfect obedience to death on the cross. And when God raised Jesus from the dead, there was the proof that he has delivered us from all of our offenses, all of our sins. He was raised for our justification. The living Lord, by his Holy Spirit, enables you and me to lay hold of this gospel message. It's our message. It's our hope. It's our life. Jesus. We belong to him, as the catechism says, body and soul and life and in death. What a difference that makes. What a difference that knowledge makes for our life. I'm not my own, we say to the catechism, but I belong to him, body and soul. What a faithful Savior. Amen. Father in heaven, Give us spiritual eyes so that we may behold Christ Jesus sitting at thy right hand in heaven, ruling all the affairs of earth and heaven, pouring out his benefits upon us. To a Thomas who would not believe that Christ was risen, until he would see the nail holes and put his finger in them. Our Lord Jesus said, Blessed are those who do not see it, but believe. Strengthen our faith then, Lord. We serve a living Savior and we love him. May that be our song every day. Amen.